Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Apriremo quelle gabbie vili e criminali. Animal liberation. Animal liberation. Animal liberation. Hi and welcome to Freedom of Species, we're a show that brings animal advocacy to the airwaves of 3CR Community Radio. And yeah, uh, before us will be Sally with Out of the Pan, currently taking a break, but um, yeah, that will be back on the air soon, so make sure you keep your eyes and ears out for that. Uh, today on the show we're going to be talking about uh, veganism is going to be the theme. We're going to talk a bit about um, our vegan journeys, how veganism has changed over the years, uh, traveling as a vegan, social aspects of vegan, veganism, all, all that kind of stuff. Um, and to discuss this, I'm joined by my partner and longtime vegan, Katie. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me, Nicholas. And, yes, I'm Nick or Nicholas hosting today and yeah, we, we are going to actually discuss a happy cow um, yeah, study, I guess, or I'm not sure quite call it a study. But well, uh, it's their first uh, top 10 list of vegan cities since the pandemic. Okay, there you go. And Katie's the ambassador. Has happy I cow am ambassador. a happy cow ambassador, yes. yes. And so we're going to talk about that in about 20 minutes or so. Um, and so if any listeners do want to text in um, with... Any guesses? So I'll put two questions out for listeners. So first of all, which city is the most vegan-friendly in the world mm-hmm. is one thing you can text in on. And second of all, where is Melbourne ranked in the in the top cities? If at all. Well, they're ranked somewhere, right? It could be 132nd. Well, we only got the top 10. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, <laughs> we, we, we also looked up where Melbourne was ranked as well. <laughs> Maybe in there somewhere. But... Um, so I'll give the number of text in. If anyone does get, uh, without Googling it, mate, um, if anyone does get both of those correct, we can give you a Freedom of Species T-shirt. Um, so listeners can text in. The number to text in is 0488-809-855. To give that one more time, to give you a chance to get your paper, pen, your phone, whatever, in front of you, uh, one more time, 0488 809-855 and we're after what is the most vegan friendly city in the world and where is Melbourne ranked in the in the top 10 you give me a funny look <laughs> no 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 it's just because well I guess we, we're telling you that Melbourne is in the top 10 well we we, we accidentally hinted at it we didn't tell you <laughs> but where, uh, where does Melbourne rank yeah, where, where does Melbourne rank? You're also top kind of implying it's not 200. number one because you're like, well, no, that? That, that could be both. They could be the mm. one and the same answer. Mm, yeah, it's yeah, a trick so question. I think okay. you've just given it away there. But um, <laughs> yeah, so we're going to start off talking a bit about, um, yeah, our own vegan journeys. And um, yeah, it was actually Katie's idea to do this show because I mm. believe you've got a bit of a milestone for your yes, vegan anniversary. January this year, I reached mm. 15 years of veganism. Mm-hmm. And so. I, um, unless you want to talk about something else, but I was going to talk about how I got there, I guess. Go ahead. Uh, So I was very much into social justice as a kid. It wasn't really something that was around me, although I remember being aware of racism, like growing up in Darwin and my best friend, um, being around a lot of friends who were people of colour. And, um, And then I started to get really into feminism when I was like in high school and later in high school, queer rights issues. So for me, it just seemed like a natural progression that I started to think about animals and our relationship with non-human animals. So when I was 17, I went vegetarian. And then when I was 18, I went vegan. And I haven't looked back since then. It's all just one and the same for me. Like it's all part of a journey of social justice. Yeah. And maybe 
maybe you could elaborate on that because again it totally seems common sense to us but a lot of people listening are kind of like well sexism and racism and homophobia over here and vegan is like like you maybe speciesism yeah maybe you could spell out for those questions yeah I I started to think about I I was working at uh, Delhi at IGA and I was in charge of preparing the roast chickens Mm. and obviously I wasn't killing the chickens but they'd come you know headless and then I would um, have to put my hand into inside their bodies and put stuffing in there and cross their legs and put them to roast and I just started thinking about these these creatures whose this was their end this was their kind of their funerals in a way this was their final time and I was just kind of drilled on me on it about how wrong it was. And I remember thinking about people that were ahead of their time and we talk about feminism and the civil rights movement and people who said, oh, what a load of crap that is. I wanted to be ahead of my time and I realised animal rights was ahead of its time because, I mean, it's come a long way in the last 15 years mm. that I've been a vegan, but um, there are still plenty of progressive people who just get pissed off with vegans or find them annoying mm-hmm. and don't see that animal rights activists, vegans, are people that are just trying to do uh, do better in the world and do less harm and have less people, less individual suffering. So for me, it's very much in line with, you know, my solidarity with the union movement and queer rights and women's rights and disability rights. Like it, to me, it all just fits in. And in fact, I think... There are so many reasons why um, feminism links in very well with um, animal rights as well as disability issues because we exploit female animals for their ability to lay eggs. We exploit them for their ability to produce milk, which is for their babies, in the same way that humans um, produce milk for their babies. So I think there are very clear clear links there and once you make that connection for me anyway it's kind of hard to turn away from that Mm -hmm. yeah i I obviously agree and i think uh there are a lot of connections in terms of as you say uh, you know challenging suffering um challenging oppression um challenging arbitrary hierarchies as well in terms of placing ourselves placing one group above another similar to those other forms of oppression that you mentioned as well um and yeah i guess for me it was a fairly similar thing of you know, getting into other more human focused social justice issues. So for me, it was, I don't have a specific date, but um, it was around, I guess for me, it's been 21, 39. Um, I forgot how old I was, but um, yeah, 17 years or so, I think for me, roughly, it would have been, I guess, similar time to you. But um, yeah, and for me, it was actually about, I guess I grew up uh, I would say socially liberal, but politically yeah, apathetic. Yeah, because your parents were vegetarians, right? <laughs> and then when point, they had kids, yeah. they stopped. But they were always – like yeah. I grew up with, you know, a mum that loved Pauline Hanson and John Howard, mm-hmm. and I was the weird one in the corner, like sitting in a dark room with a candle lit for Earth Day mm-hmm. and being told what you believe is bullshit. Sorry, can I say that? <laughs> it's <laughs> crap. Not, yeah. Um, <laughs> and feeling like, gee, I'm so alone here. So for me, like – like listening to podcasts was my starting point of finding people because you feel like am I the one that is just completely wrong like I feel like what I'm believing is right here Mm -hmm. feels like the only right thing you watch any animal rights documentary if you watch earthlings or if you watch the Australian version like dominion you will realize what is happening behind the scenes of your food and your clothes and your entertainment and it's how can you look back after realizing that and seeing the suffering yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and for me, I definitely just got more politically engaged. It was around the time of the Iraq War, um, and so it was kind of getting involved with anti-war activism and, and really aware of the environment as well and, and human rights issues. And as we touched on earlier, again, some people see that sort of dichotomy and see vegan issues or animal issues as separate. But for me, when I you know, came across a stall at university when I was getting all this information about human rights and environment, when I got the information about animal rights and, and animal suffering, it just seemed to be totally in line with mm-hmm. the other information I was getting. It, it made sense and, and kind of, um, yeah, made that connection. 
And I guess the one thing I want to bring in um, to build on a recent episode of Freedom of Species um, by Trev and Caroline, but the episode was called Go Vegan Campaigns, Do They Advance or Detract from Animal Liberation? And they looked at different like try vegan, go vegan sort of campaigns um, and even stuff that's not sort of going that far but is in a similar vein like Meat Free Mondays and that kind of stuff as well, like a wide sort of spectrum. And, and one issue they looked at with some of those campaigns is that they frame vegan veganism as a diet rather than a broad lifestyle so for you was it a a vegan diet at first and then you made those connections or was it always veganism was a broader thing and it made you know you wouldn't buy a leather jacket as well and that kind of stuff i think the food was definitely the first thing Mm -hmm. um and when i was a vegetarian i bought leather shoes Mm because i wasn't thinking that Mm -hmm. uh but then when i became vegan and you look at the way that leather is used. I think I, I didn't cut out like shampoos and stuff because I just didn't really know until well, I met vegans. shampoos tested on animals. Yeah, and, and you yeah, might use animal products. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and now it's so much easier to just find a vegan version for everything you need. Uh, but it's, it's not a diet. It's not just I prefer this or I'm just going to do a meat-free Monday thing. It's a whole way of seeing the world and of living in – living in a way that's consistent with your values Mm -hmm. in the same way that I do my best every day to be an ally for people of colour, for Indigenous Australians. You know, if someone, if I hear someone using a slur, uh, like a a racist slur, I want to stand up against that. I'm not just going to be like, I'll do that on Monday, anti-racism Mondays, and the rest of the day, the rest of the week, I won't worry because it's too Mm -hmm. difficult. Mm. It's about being an ally, um for those issues that don't affect me, particularly racism. You know, I am queer. I do have a disability. I am a woman. So I am affected by those issues directly. Uh, but it's it's not just that. It's about challenging oppression wherever we find it. And that is what veganism is. It's not a diet. Uh, I know some people say it's not even really kind of a lifestyle. I guess it depends on how you define a lifestyle. You know, it, mm-hmm. It's a political movement that I'm a part of and a choice that mm. I make every day. Yeah, and you mentioned being an ally there, and I guess that is, in the, in the case of veganism, it's about being an ally to other animals The as non-human well. animals. And, like, and, when we sit at a meal and there are their bodies are there and their bodies being consumed and their milk has been stolen from them and their babies, we are kind of standing in for them and saying, by choosing not to partake, we're kind of saying, no, this is wrong. Yeah. Um, and... There are other ways. We can live perfectly healthy, happy lives without needing that kind of thing, especially if you live in, you know, I'm talking about like a modern Australia. Like, you know, if you're, if you're out in the middle of the, the desert in Afghanistan, it's going to be a little bit different. But I'm saying for, for us, um, living in Australia, it's very easy to live a happy vegan lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's even complicating factors within that in terms of we're probably living one of the easiest places in the world to be vegan in, in a Melbourne, but obviously rural Yeah, but you don't, even, you don't need the mock meat and no, no. the de- vegan cheese. You just got to eat chickpeas and vegetables and lentils and yeah. all that is much cheaper than buying meat. Yeah, and increasingly, even when we do you know, go on a holiday to rural Victoria or regional Victoria and that kind of thing, and you go to a chain supermarket, there is all the mock meat stuff at the yeah. supermarket. But also, supermarket it's, it's not well. just merely about convenience, because that's mm. even if it is inconvenient, you have to think mm. about well, what is it costing the animals? What are they experiencing yeah. just yeah. for the sake of convenience? Not to mention the environmental benefits of veganism in terms of how much water it takes up, how much land it takes up to, to um, I say create meat, but you know mm. what I mean, yeah, to, yeah. to slaughter and then um, create, package dead animals into these products that you consume and their, and their, their, their milk and like the impact of that is huge. Yeah, and how inefficient it is to feed the animals plants and then feed them eat plants their flesh. and water, and yeah. then eventually, like the protein you get out of them versus the protein you put in, it just doesn't yeah. make any yeah. sense. It's not efficient environmentally. It's not the biggest issue for us, but it is definitely an issue. Um, yeah, for yeah, me, it's, yeah. the animals is number one, and yeah. I don't. I think it's very hard to argue with that in terms of the suffering. Whereas there are more ways to be environmental and eat animals. People talk about eating insects and things like that. Yeah. Uh, and, and in terms of health, I think there are many health benefits to a you know a balanced vegan diet. If you just eat chips every day, mm. which are vegan, that doesn't mean you're going to be healthy. But yeah, I try tailgating that. Maybe that. Then. <laughs> but then you know there are people like oh, if it's just health, I'll eat mostly vegan. Yeah. yeah but if yeah. it's about the animals, then 
why would you justify participating in any of that suffering if you don't have to? Yeah, that's right. And I don't want to jump ahead because we are going to talk about vegan travel in a moment, but on a day-to-day basis for me, and, and this isn't for everyone, but just for me in my where I live, my social circles or whatever, uh, veganism is extremely easy. But even in the few times where it hasn't been, maybe we've been traveling to not such vegan-friendly places, again, bringing up that issue of privilege and I guess human privilege in this case, like I try not to make it about myself, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, of yeah. course it is, like you do see the world through your own eyes and you're the one who's like, oh, I I'm really struggling finding something vegan to eat here. But I I always try and be like, well, it is an inconvenience for me in this case. It isn't usually, but it is in this particular case. But the animal suffering and death is more important than my my inconvenience in in that case. Yeah. 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 And I was also curious, um, another issue they touched on is that issue of like reducitarianism of, you know, not promoting full veganism, the idea of rather than, I don't know, like, and this is like a vegetarian focus, we have a more vegan focus here but even vegetarian like it's going to be hard to get seven people to go vegetarian so we'll say to get one person to go vegetarian it's easy to get seven people to have meat-free mondays and that will sort of add up to seven vegetarians or whatever if you focus specifically Ah. on Mm. meat and so i was just wondering that process of going from eating animals to vegan um, and also what that might say about the role of advocacy or do we, do we need to set the bar lower and, and those mm. kind of issues? Yeah. I, I, yeah. Like, I definitely don't think you should say you have to be vegan overnight. Mm-hmm. There are, we know people that have gone that way from omnivore to vegan overnight. But I think there's no harm in saying, you know, try doing vegan breakfast, see how that goes, try using soy milk, almond milk. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to be just that, but it, it, it should I guess for me, it's not just about switching the diet. It's about thinking more broadly. So watching a documentary about what actually ha- what happens to your food behind closed doors instead of just being ignorant of it, which which is it's much easier to just pretend that it's all fine and that there's such thing as a humane slaughterhouse exists. Mm. Um, if you see the reality of it and if, you, if you're already someone into social justice and you think about how it is built on the exploitation of females in particular, um, then... I think it makes sense to to move away from that. For me, I was like, I'll try being vegan for a month and if I mess up in that month, it's fine. But then from 1st of January, that's it. So that kind of worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's possible without kind of saying, oh, just don't have it on Mondays and then have it the rest of the week. But mm-hmm. I guess try to incorporate it more, try it out more, mm-hmm. try vegan, more vegan recipes. For me, it worked to set a day and be like, from this point onwards, that's it. And um, it's it's two things. It's the ideology. So it's about watching those documentaries, listening to that music and really understanding the suffering, which makes you go, geez, I can't go back to that. Mm. And two, having the so- social support network and knowing practically what do I eat? Mm. What, what shampoo can I buy? And that's why there's in Melbourne great things like um, what's that week, the vegan week? Well, is it the Vegan Easy Challenge? Or yeah, and then yeah. there's the week where you can go to all the businesses. And, oh, okay. I'm not sure the name of it. But, uh, yeah. but you know, re- like – just go on to Animal Live Victoria's website or just yeah. search. Or Vegan Easy, yeah. Vegan yeah. vegan Easy. Yeah. Um, that's like a 30-day challenge. And that's one of the ones they spoke about on that uh, thing, which very much does, even though it does mainly focus on food, which kind of makes sense because it is it a is thing. It is the main they, thing. They do definitely bring in those other issues and make it clear that veganism is, is more than a diet. Um, but, yeah, for, for me, definitely when I first became – Originally, vegan, or not vegan, was interested in veganism, but I kind of went to the fruit and veg department of the supermarket and uh, or section of the supermarket, and that was pretty easy in terms of eating vegan. And then I got to the, the next... Uh, the next uh, aisle. aisle and even things like tomato soup, which I thought would be vegan, had milk solids and that kind of thing. Um, and so, yeah, I think that practical stuff is is quite important. But I also, like, I was vegetarian for perhaps three to even four years before I went vegan. But I also wonder if people are increasingly skipping or at least reducing that vegetarian phase as vegan becomes more, even more widespread than vegetarianism. So, um, or perhaps not in terms of numbers, but in terms of like labeling options, that kind of thing. So there was an article I recently came across called Who Moved My Cheese? The Silent Battle Between Vegetarians and Vegan by Tony Naylor on The Guardian. This is from 2021, so when you say recently. Like yeah, yeah, recently-ish. Um, the last couple of years. Yeah, and it was talking about the, the, the how restaurants, rather than having 
a vegetarian option increasingly have a vegan option, which obviously vegetarians can eat as well. Um, And they were saying that vegan options are increasing on menus um, 29% faster than vegetarian options. Um, References to vegan food outstrip vegetarianism by more than four to one. And they're also talking about the way um, in which there's a lot of you know new sort of popular vegan restaurants, but there's actually not many vegetarian restaurants opening. Um, yeah. <coughs> Sorry, I have a That's okay. <laughs> dry throat. It's yeah. not COVID. Stop <laughs> talking. Um, yeah, there, there's sort of new sort of trendy vegan restaurants open uh, or sort of like high, you know, prestigious restaurants, but not many vegetarian um, restaurants opening. So, yeah, I, I'm kind of wondering if, if now people like, well, like for back for me when I was vegetarian for a few years before I went vegan, you'd go to a restaurant and some places there'd be no options. But when there was, it was often vegetarian that was marked. You kind of have to haggle mm-hmm. to get a vegan option. But now when people are thinking about veganism, vegetarianism, etc and you go to a restaurant and there's only vegan it might sort of make more sense to kind of skip that phase i guess yeah, yeah. um and there was a quote this is actually from an interview with peter singer from my phd thesis peter singer is a well-known ethicist um do you mind reading that quote sure. I it's quite interesting there's been a huge change regarding veganism when animal liberation first appeared and that's his book yep. uh in 1975 you couldn't use the word vegan without an explanation the vegan side in britain had only 300 members there was a u.s vegan group that was small there's an enormous difference, an interesting difference. And I was surprised if you'd asked me in 1975, I would have said, I think vegetarianism would spread and it'd be a higher level in the public than now. It would have surprised me that veganism has caught on as much as it has. Yeah. So I think that like those things like meat-free Mondays, you know, perhaps they were a symptom of like vegetarianism being more widespread. Well, and it now, used to yeah. just be like in terms of what Animals Australia, which is the biggest kind of animal advocacy group in Australia, it used to just be about... Um, like free-range eggs, and you, yeah. you probably know better than me about that history. Yeah, well, even, But it wasn't even necessarily pushing people towards vegetarianism. No, not necessarily, but I think even yeah, groups like that, um, and Peter as well in the US, um, would often talk about veg or vegetarianism, whereas now even, yeah, definitely Peter, for example, talks about veganism all the time. So, yeah, yeah and I think for me, even though all the literature I was reading, it was actually talking about eggs and dairy and cutting them out, but because it was always like go veg go vegetarianism i kind of felt like okay well it's it's a bit vegan is a bit far but i'm kind of doing the right thing whereas now veganism i think people yeah. even if they don't go there right away i think more people would be aiming towards well, that i started thinking about dairy first because of mm. peter mm. Mm-hmm. so because i was like okay vegetarianism to me it it makes sense but then they talked about stuff in the dairy industry i'm like oh okay this is kind of messed up and then i kind of thought about it and learned more about it um and it's hard because vegetarians would come up to us at a store and be like, oh, I don't need any information on vegetarians. So mm. we'd kind of talk about, well, that's great. Mm-hmm. There's other stuff that you might want to learn about as well in terms of the egg and dairy industry. Yeah. Uh, because when I first told a vegan I was vegetarian, they're like, oh, you vegetarians, you piss me off because you think you're helping animals, but yet you, you have dairy and eggs. And that was not the right approach at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> be like, well, that's great you're thinking about that. Even if someone just is thinking about how much they love their, their companion animals, their dogs, mm-hmm. you know, and then like – connecting that to the fact that you know pigs act so much like dogs they come when you call them they love being petted and they're so sweet but most importantly they're sentient beings they feel pleasure they feel pain and if we can just have some a can of chickpeas instead of having this chicken suffer well why not that seems easy enough to me like Again, living where we live. (laughs) Yeah. We better go to a song and then we're going to talk a bit about vegan travel. Um, Again, a reminder, if anyone does want to text in, I'll just give the number one more time, 0488 809 855. And we're after the most vegan-friendly city in the world and also where Melbourne is ranked. We're going to go to the first song we're going to play is Get Off on the Pain by Weezer. And there's a particular lyric in here... um, which was um, I could never follow orthodoxy, which I thought was quite relevant in terms of like veganism is is challenging, I guess, conventional orthodox thinking around animals. The people down the street are packing up As if they found a neighbour doing witchcraft There isn't anybody I could trust So I'm alone dancing to a click track What's wrong with me?
Pride will be bringing arts, culture and celebration to the Smith Street and Gertrude Street precinct on Sunday the 12th of February between 11am and 9pm. This free event is a state government initiative delivered by festival partner Midsummer to highlight and celebrate LGBTQIA plus voices and stories. The Collingwood Fitzroy precinct will be transformed into a huge street party with two music stages, activities, community stalls and more. For more information, visit midsummer.org.au slash bigpride. Midsummer is a 3CR supporter. Welcome back to Freedom of Species on 3CR Radical Radio. Uh, before the yeah, the, the song we played there was Get Off on the Pain by Weezer. And there was a particular, or well, something worth mentioning, anything related to the song. Um, so the singer is a long time, possibly lifelong, I'm not sure, but a long-term vegetarian. Um, and he once recorded a vegetarian-themed rap album. Um, and it was a creative crisis in the 1990s where he challenged himself to write 50 songs in a row before allowing himself to play live again. Um, and so he wrote a yeah, vegetarian concept album titled Veggie Terrorists, um, and it was basically in the style of Public Enemy and Run, Run DMC. It never was released, so I'd be quite curious to, to hear what, what he came up with. But I just want to just talk about vegetarianism, veganism, that kind of thing. I guess a lot of the sort of like older generation or like long-term vegetarians like Morrissey comes to mind as well. It's kind of interesting to see like they've been vegetarian so long long and in some cases like Morrissey really outspoken about it and now that the sort of the conversation has shifted to veganism it's interesting to see whether they'll they'll make that step or stick with vegetarianism I, I couldn't find any evidence that Rivers Cuomo uh, Rivers Cuomo from Weezer has gone vegan but um, yeah I think Morrissey is one who's been a long-term vegetarian I believe is 
is moving towards veganism at least. If last time I heard, I'm mm. not totally too up, but yeah, I thought that was kind of relevant. But we're going to go in and talk about vegan cities, vegan travel, etc. So this was uh, this was Katie's thing. So I'll let you sure. tackle so, it how you like. So we mentioned Happy Cow previously. For those mm. who don't know, it's pretty much the number one website and app to find vegan-friendly as well as it was more started at more vegetarian, but, but vegan-friendly. that's another friendly. example, right? Because I yes. remember back in the day, we'd use it and be like, oh, this place has vegetarian options. And we'd be like, well, we're vegan. That doesn't benefit. It is really a vegan. Now it's very much now. focused yeah. on finding vegan-friendly or yeah. vegan restaurants yeah. wherever you are in the world. Yeah. So um, Nick and I love travel. Um, obviously, it's not something we've been doing much in the last <laughs> few years, but uh we love, you know, travel and new cultures, trying different foods. So this is kind of the best thing you can use when you go traveling. Or if you're, um, you know, just kind of, I've just moved to Melbourne and I don't know where to go. It's uh, it's fantastic for finding, wherever you are, finding vegan-friendly options or vegan restaurants. Yeah, or even, yeah, just to find, yeah, as you say, vegan places around your house or apartment. Or even, for example, if we're out in a different suburb we don't live in, we might have a quick look at Happy Gal if we're looking for lunch and stuff. And too, now so. it's expanded beyond just restaurants. They also mm. have other businesses like vegan bed and breakfasts mm. and um, like beauty businesses. Like in Melbourne, you've got like vegan hairdressers. So mm. expanded on that. So um, Happy Cow released its first uh, top 10 vegan cities list, the first one uh, post-pandemic. And um, it was very exciting to see where Melbourne was. Mm. We didn't have any guesses come through, but uh, nope. <laughs> but Melbourne is the fourth most vegan-friendly city. Yeah. So they look at the number of vegan restaurants, how close they are in relation to each other, the growth of it. So number four is Melbourne, which is pretty amazing. And I mean, Nick and I both grew up in Perth, and which is um, on the other side of Australia for anyone outside of Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So West Australia, and then uh, one of the big factors why we came to Melbourne is its big vegan scene and just generally being progressive. And for me, as a community lawyer, having more opportunities because it's just got better funded community legal centres and legal aid. So uh, we. We'd come here quite a bit on holiday from Perth and just be like, oh, my God, Lord of the Fries, we've got to go here, we've got to go there. Uh, and I've just seen how much it's grown in Melbourne, but Melbourne is is incredible. But it's amazing it's in the top four. Mm. So you might remember. Do you remember which number one city? I do, yep. Yep, London. London, yep. yep. And which... then do you remember what number two was? Uh, I believe it's Berlin. Yes. Yep. 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 So we've been to both London and Berlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, amazing food. Mm-hmm. Berlin is where they uh, first invented the Veggio bar, which if you're a vegan, mm. you're probably familiar with. Amazing chocolate bar. Uh, number and we, th- we ate at the restaurant that, yeah. yeah, I don't think made it, but patented it or yeah. something. Yeah, super weird. radical yeah. city. Uh, number three, do you remember? Uh, New York, yep. is it? Which yep. we've also been to. Yep. And um, they have really, like, what did we we went to a vegan sushi place. We were um, we uh, we're, we're somewhere in New in New York, and we're like, where should we go now? And there were two vegan ice creameries with like a seven minute walk, and that's because of Happy Cow, right? We went on mm-hmm. Happy Cow, mm-hmm. um, and we went to some of the fine dining vegan restaurants there. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing. Uh, number five, Singapore, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and yeah. that is where we're planning to go next. Yeah, Singapore. So it's funny we're leaving the number four to go to number five, but um, <laughs> Singapore is really. Great vegan food. Uh, number six. Yeah, I'm probably going to struggle a bit with the bottom. Is it? Um, I think Bangkok was in there. I don't know. Bangkok's number seven okay. in Thailand. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't been there. Yeah. Uh, LA is number six. Okay. Uh, I mean, we've been there. We spent like half a day there. The beach, yeah. <laughs> Went to beach, Venice yeah. Beach yeah. and my phone died. And I was like, how am I going to find a restaurant in Happy Cow? <laughs> and then I look up there to vegan signs. Yeah. So found a restaurant. Um, do you remember the last three? Um. Ah, uh, let me think. No, I think I'm struggling a bit. Nothing comes to mind. I remember there was one, was it in Poland? Or Warsaw. Something? Warsaw. Yeah, okay, Poland yeah. has had a massive um, rise in veganism in the last few years. And the last two, Amsterdam and Barcelona. Oh, yeah, Barcelona. And yeah, we have right. been to Barcelona, the amazing city, mm-hmm. and lots of vegan. I think we went to a vegan restaurant. Was it George Orwell Square? It was near there. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, yeah, I highly recommend Happy Cow. And, um, there's just I, – for us, like, whenever we plan a trip, we're like, 
in terms of where we're staying, we go on Happy Cow first and we look at the highest concentration of vegan restaurants and we're like, okay, we'll, put, we'll stay in a hotel right near there. Yeah, yeah. Because- a lot of people are like, we'll go and see those sites and then incidentally we'll eat at restaurants and we're like, we'll eat at those restaurants and incidentally we'll see the sites on the way <laughs> exactly. between the restaurants. And I guess linking that to veganism as well, I think there is this perception of, you know, I really like food, I'm really going to suffer as a vegan or miss out and that kind of thing. Whereas I think for both of us, we weren't particularly foodie I wasn't a foodie, but then I mean, it's kind of like a stereotypical vegan thing that then you become like really into food because you're like, oh my God, I can have vegan pavlova or just the novelty of going to a, a vegan place and not having to ask about what's in it and just be able to order anything, especially when we were living in Perth, mm-hmm. which I think at the moment might have two vegan restaurants. I'm not. I've been a while. Uh, so uh, just that novelty of being, especially in a foreign country, Mm. Um, where you might not be that familiar with the language. You know, when mm. we're in Paris and, and uh, we do speak a little bit of French, but uh, just being able to order anything off the menu and if, if something messes up, it doesn't matter because you can eat anything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think getting back to some of our points earlier, again, it is usually extremely easy because we you know, book, uh, we stay somewhere where with a bunch of vegan restaurants nearby and, and have a great time and eat great food. Um, occasionally things are out of your hands or maybe you might be going to a city not for the food, which is uh, strange to us, but um, for some people, I believe, do that. Um, so you might go to a place for a different reason, but it's not particularly vegan friendly. Um, we had a friend recently go to Uluru in, in the middle of Australia. I'd imagine probably not, the, not as vegan friendly as the middle of Melbourne, probably, but you want to go there for another reason. Um, And so, yeah, definitely things can be more difficult. I remember making a scene in in China. Yeah, we got stuck in China with a dodgy airline. It was supposed to just be a stopover for a few hours, but they stuck us there for three days, which is a whole story in itself. Mm -hmm. But uh, Nick walking from the the hotel was called the 100% Perfect Hotel, and it was all the way out near the airport. Nick walking down to the shops trying to make sense of the um, food labels, which were all all in Mandarin. And, you know, you can get by a bit in Europe and you can read a bit and be like, that's kind of like that word. And then you can look it up quite easily. This was before those apps where you can just hold your phone up and it will read it out, even Mm -hmm. if it's in Mandarin. Mm -hmm. So... um, you were struggling there. People, what's in this? Like, it's great. It's great. Yeah, Don't worry. Yeah, and you're like, yeah. but what is in it? Yeah. What is the food? So, like, if you're in that, that's a very weird situation where you're, exactly. you're stuck in China for three days and you're not supposed to be there. But even then, we did everything we could to make sure what we were eating was vegan. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, definitely amused some people along the way. But um, <laughs> yeah, and of course, you definitely could go to China and have a great time eating vegan food. There's, there's, a big lo- there's vegan heaps movement. of vegan restaurants. Yeah. It's just it was Particularly, not on the cards for yeah, us. If you well, go to Berlin, I mean, we, we had ba- Subway well, at the Great Wall of China. Beijing, you mean, not Berlin? <gasps> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Beijing. Yeah. Beijing, there's heaps of vegan restaurants. There, there is quite a growing vegan movement in. In, within China. Because a well. lot of parts yeah. of Asia have quite high vegetarian populations and then yeah. um, parts of Asia as well aren't super into dairy. Like India yeah. um, eats more dairy, but it, like China would have more egg, uh, but not very much dairy no. in the traditional um, you know, way of eating. So a lot of the if you'd say, oh, I wanted something pure vegetarian, that would be vegan a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And so I think in a lot of places around the world would eat quite a lot of vegan food without making a political statement. Yeah, if you think about populations in terms of India and China. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And a funny thing now is that the the wealthier people in those countries are trying to eat more Western food and trying to increase the amount of, of red meat or dairy that they eat because of the idea that it's you know, eating a Western diet is a more kind of affluent way of being rather than eating vegetarian food. That's true, yeah. And I think also there is an argument that countries like China, it's inevitably they'll sort of go in the Western direction of like increasing meat consumption and dairy and that kind of thing. But actually there's, there's some evidence or at least hypotheses that things are perhaps starting to go back in China in, in the idea that, you know, meat does go up at a certain point. In because of COVID? Of- no, not because of COVID, but just because as people have their like more essential needs met, mm. they then start thinking about bigger questions of is this the most environmentally food? Is it most ethical? Um, and so there's sort of, uh, some again, some trends in this uh, direction already, but also some ideas that it could, yeah, meat consumption could decline in places like China because, again, with higher standards of living, people start sort of questioning their food a bit more. And again, that is already happening mm. in China. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, COVID is another great point. Like we have to remember that 
COVID began because of how humans exploit and choose to eat other animals. Mm -hmm. And that's where 75% of new and emerging diseases come from. Mm -hmm. You know, HIV, it was the way that we were treating, you know, apes, chimpanzees, eating them. That's where HIV came from. Um, A lot of these diseases come from the way we interact with animals. We need to rethink that. Think of mad cow disease. Think of bird flu. Think of... uh, uh, swine flu, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it's kind of amazing to me that people are still like, oh, you're just carrying on like normal. Mm. Although apparently during the pandemic, maybe in China, I think it was, there was more people buying vegetarian meats, like yeah. alternatives. Yeah, and then, well, I think there was a US study which found that a lot more people were eating vegan. There's a lot more vegan options in restaurants. So, yeah, I feel like that narrative probably does didn't get as much sort of airtime as it should have. I think Moby it- said... In a vegan world, there'd be no pandemics, and they got a lot of backlash for that, which isn't true. Like, there no. could still be pandemics, but, but 75% <laughs> yeah, yeah. of new and emerging diseases come from the way that we um, mistreat animals, eat animals, farm them, whatever it is. So, if we stopped doing that, we would certainly have a lot less of those diseases emerging. Absolutely. Yeah. We'd better, well, anything more you want to, I've got some other topics. We'll finish up maybe talking about some of the social aspects or veganism and activism, those kind of questions. But before we go to the song, is there anything more about veganism and travel you want to say? Or are you ready for the song? I guess, um, you know, I, I just think that it's, it's definitely become easier. But even if it's not easy, you know, if you go to a country where it's not going to be easy, like I've, I've often thought I'd really like to go to Iran because um, I wrote my honours thesis on um, refugees in, in Iran. And there's actually a vegan restaurant now in Tehran. Mm. But um, you just plan ahead in terms of food and what you're going to do. And at the end of the day, like you said, it's not about us. Mm. Oh, woe is me in China trying to like ask mm. people about something. It was just a funny story, really. <laughs> um, so you just make sure you you plan ahead. But it's it's getting... It's so much easier than it was when I first went vegan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the next song we're going to play is um, "Flames" by Mod Sun, featuring Avril Lavigne. Uh, anything you want to say about the song? I just Katie? really something I've been listening to lately. Yeah, yep. I didn't have anything in particular That's that fine, kind yeah. of teamed with the theme. Yeah, yeah. But it's just been the song I've been enjoying. I still burn for you like the sun burns in the sky. I still burn for you. to 3CR Victoria's Pride Street Party Broadcast, a four-hour special event 
on Sunday, the 12th of February, from 12 to 4 p.m. We'll be broadcasting out on the street and featuring the voices of 3CR's queer programmers and guests, including Out of the Pan, In Your Face, PX Fano, and Queer in the Air, on topics that focus on queer pride and ongoing advocacy for LGBTIQA people. Listen to the broadcast on air or live from the corner of Smith and Mason Streets in Fitzroy. For more details, head to 3cr.org.au forward slash 3CR Pride Party 2023. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855am. Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast to hear the most recent recording from each show or 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming to listen live. Welcome back to Freedom of Species on 3CR. We are today talking a show about veganism, our own veganism, how veganism has changed over the years and how veganism relates to other issues, travel, and we'll talk about activism a bit in a moment. And yeah, just a quick, you, you heard the announcement there, but just to reiterate that, because of the Victoria's Pride Street Party broadcast um, next Sunday, um, Freedom of Species won't be going to air. We'll be having a week off next Sunday, the 12th of February. Uh, but we encourage our listeners to tune in to that uh, four-hour special event, um, Sunday, 12th of February, 12 to 4 on 3CR. Um, and you can also come down to the event as well. So you can either listen in or you can come and join it. Um, it's live from the corner of Smith and Mason street in fitzroy um and yeah a bunch of 3cr broadcasters will be there um and yeah out out on the street live broadcast so definitely listen in or come along in person to that so yeah we we wanted to finish up um talking a bit about um veganism and activism so i want to link this to some of the discussions we've had on the show previously and that is around veganism as a form of activism so um, i did a show a while ago it was called what is the place of veganism in the animal justice party featuring political theorist ruth abbey and ruth's research found that actually vegans overall tend to be less involved in like formal politics like electoral politics party politics than the general population and maybe one of the reasons for that is because veganism is often seen as political activism in itself rather than not that it has to be either or obviously you can do both but um that may play a role in in people being less involved in activism we've also spoken a bit about um on the show before about maybe an over-reliance in the animal movement on individual consumption to bring about change for animals and thinking about maybe how we can look at change at a more institutional level, whether that's government changes towards a plant-based food system, uh, more vegan options in schools, hospitals, those kind of things. So looking at sort of more the institutional change, obviously we can do both, doesn't have to be one or the other. But I I think that is probably true in my view that we have over-relied on consumption as a way to bring about change for animals but i also don't think we should totally discount it uh, i do remember someone talking about a conference um, talking about disability and intersections with animal issues and social justice issues generally uh, and talking about the ways in which um, her primary form of activism was consumption in terms of trying to put her money um, being vegan but also thinking about environmental issues human rights issues etc um, because other other forms of activism are not accessible um, with um, the specific issues that that person had around um, disability um, so yeah you mentioned earlier about disability so I was wondering I, I guess that you'd probably fit that in terms of doing advocacy like this but I, pre- I guess probably veganism just the practice being the most common form of activism you do now mm. um, do you want to talk a bit about that? Sure so I have chronic fatigue syndrome and mm. before I had it I used to be much more involved I mean in Perth we were part of an animal rights group that we were coordinating and putting on annual festivals and stalls and things like that. And um, since moving to Melbourne, uh, I do volunteer as a lawyer with the Animal Law Institute, but that's not a huge time commitment because uh, it just depends on what how much, what work they've got, whether I can contribute to it. So um, other than, than that and doing this radio show, and Nick and I also do a podcast about politics, we Progressive Podcast Australia, where we do talk about animals I'm not really doing very much. 
I'm a happy cow ambassador, so I guess mm. I put reviews up and things like that. But with my chronic fatigue, um, going out and physically doing much uh, or also just things that are emotionally draining is going to be difficult for me. So I don't – I guess it definitely used to be a lot more involved than I used to be. But uh, I, I feel like things like 3CR are also like a great way to – and social media to keep involved even if you can't physically be a part of something. So – um, with the Invasion Day rally, I couldn't physically be there, but I was listening to the broadcast and able to talk, share about it on social media and things like that. So, uh, like you were just talking about the um, the street festival for yeah. for midsummer coming up. Like you know, if you can't be there in person, you can yeah. listen to it on the radio and you can talk about it with people. So, I think it's uh, great. People obviously disabilities affect people in so many different kinds of ways, but um, for me, like physically going to things. Uh, is going to be difficult or things that are too emotionally draining. So I I think that luckily, like, there's so much more you can do in this more interconnected tech advanced society. I guess in the mm-hmm. 70s, it was really like 80s about getting together physically in person. Mm-hmm. And now, especially with COVID, people have just gotten used to organising things during over, over Zoom or, or whatever, getting things done that way. Yeah, and I believe there's a show on 3CR, Chronically Chilled, which talks about those issues specifically around... Um, yeah, around chronic illness. This, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and yeah, I think around that idea of activism and um, ableism, like discrimination against people with disability. I think that you know, there, there's obviously nothing wrong with with holding a rally, and, and in fact, we probably haven't done too much of that as a movement. Again, particularly in recent decades, the focus has been more on about encouraging other individuals to go individual vegan. kind of advocacy yeah. and stalls yeah. and. Yeah. Um, you know, handing out flyers and I guess showing videos of what happens yeah. to animals. But I guess where the problems or the ableism comes in when it's like, oh, you're not a real animal activist unless you're going to this protest or unless you're doing open rescue, like rescuing animals. Yeah, I know, and that's another thing. Like if people who are doing things where you're, you know, doing things that are illegal or breaking into things, some I guess you kind of get this macho idea of you're not a real animal activist if mm. you're not getting arrested for something and putting on putting yourself on the line in that way. And for me, as a, a lawyer and a social justice lawyer, I want to keep doing my, my social justice work so I can't be arrested. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's many reasons why, like, particularly people of colour, Indigenous people would feel uncomfortable about certain actions. Immigrants and, as well. Yeah, with yeah, that's issues. right. Yeah, so yeah, uh, yeah. I definitely don't think it's kind of – it all has to be done one way. Mm-hmm. And there are other vegans who are more along the lines of baking the cupcakes and mm-hmm. handing those out and being like, oh, yeah, this is, this is easy to do it, and then talking about it in a softer way. And then there are people that um, do actions – that kind of shut down traffic and things like that, all of that can be totally valid part of activism, right? It's a broader range of things. People mm-hmm. bring different skills, different things sway different people. So I definitely feel like if you're uh, involved in an intersectional animal rights movement, then mm-hmm. it should be about being inclusive of people wherever they're at. Mm-hmm. And that includes disability issues. Absolutely. And I do think that happy cow um, advocacy you do is is really important because – yeah, as much as, again, that there might be sort of a, a more macho end of the movement, which is like, unless you're doing these specific things, you're not doing the real things. But I, I think that, um, yeah, like veganism in terms of like creating the world we want, it's about sort of going, well, we can put that into practice now and kind of finding better ways to do that. And also being rather than, again, we've spoken about it many times today of like, the difficulty of veganism is dependent on each individual circumstance, but the more we could make it, you know, easier for more people, the more that it becomes this like celebration and kind of creating this new world that we want to see. So I think veganism, as much as it doesn't do everything, it is a powerful statement in that yeah. regard. Yeah, I mean that's why I was initially really drawn to the idea that I could act out my animal rights philosophy every day by being a vegan. Because you think about the Israel-Palestine and how complicated that is. And I was like, what can I do? Um, obviously, you can get involved in, like, boycott um, movements. And, and Which is similar to veganism. Go along to rallies and stuff. Yeah, but the yeah. idea that, for me, it's so simple that mm. every day by choosing what I eat or what I wear, what products I use, I'm being part of that and also being part of this kind of – if you just look purely at it as, like, a consumerist movement, mm. how popular it's become and how other things have fallen away and that now – Things that we call them ninja vegan, like things that are accidentally vegan, would now kind of push vegan and put it on the front, like white glow toothpaste mm-hmm. would put it at the front vegan. It, never, it used to just be this kind of secret pasta. Have <laughs> you heard white glow toothpaste is vegan? <laughs> so um, I think there's 
you know, and businesses start to see that and see that there's value in catering to the vegan demographic. So as much as, um, you know, I don't like capitalism, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that within the framework that we're currently in, uh, it's as a someone who's, whether you're choosing to buy certain products or not, it is sending a message. And that's why, you know, animal agriculture gets so freaked out, things like Veganuary going big and they try to <laughs> do their alternative movement, mm-hmm. uh, which didn't go too well for them because, of course, the, the vegans just took over, like what the reality of, I don't know, what was it, beef thing that they were promoting or something that... Yeah, um, and also freaked out about vegan plant-based They tried to get – they were like, yeah. oh, let's not call it soy milk or almond milk. Let's call it, like, juice. And it's like, mm. well, no, because there's coconut juice and there's coconut milk because they're freaking out that people are switching to alternative milk, So, which I think is hilarious. I remember there used to be, um, you know, Google ads, and yeah, it would come yeah. up and it would say vegetarian recipes here, and I clicked it, and it went to a, a an industry website about – why meat is actually okay for the planet. Oh, okay, That's how yeah. scared they are. That they're mm-hmm. like, click here for vegetarian recipes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then I wrote to them, they're like, we don't do that. I'm like, well, <laughs> someone's done it. Like, <laughs> we, better, we better wrap up though. I did have a uh, final thought. I think it's escaping me. But um, yeah, again, I think that that is really important, that um, that, that move to that shift in society um, away, away from animal agriculture. Um, all right. So we're going to, I guess, just before we wrap up, we've mentioned a few of our episodes throughout the show. So if you want to check out those or any other episodes, you can check them all out at 3cr.org.au forward slash freedom of species. You can also look us up on your favorite app or on a bunch of big ones, including iTunes and Spotify. Um, feedback, freedom of species at gmail.com or on social media. Um, we're, well, stay tuned after us for rotations. Um, and we're going to finish up with the song, um, yeah, um, I Am Disappeared by Frank Turner. Yeah, I Am Disappeared or I Am Disappeared? I Am Disappeared by Frank Turner. Um, so we're going to finish up because we were talking about vegan travel and this is a song all about travel. So I thought it was a relevant one to finish up with. Uh, thanks for joining me today, Katie. No worries. Thank you. I keep having Pioneers and pirate ships and Bob Dylan A people wrapped up tight in the things that will kill them A being trapped in a lip plunging straight to the bottom Of open seas and ways of life we've forgotten I keep having dreams
print on the bed sheets I'm by the roadside with my thumb out a car pulls up I'm both driving and so I climb in we don't say a word as we pull off into the sunrise and these rivers of tarmac are like our trees cause the country to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.